0: Hey everybody, I'm Dan Tebow, and this is my new monthly podcast series, 15 Minutes Of. I believe the world is a great place with good people doing awesome things. I'm also very interested in the people I meet. I've crossed paths with so many that are living such interesting lives. I want to share their stories. These are everyday people, but with uncommon vocations and work lives people like makers artists educators land workers and other creators that love what they do and make an impact on those around them i hope to learn things about life and my own creativity from these people and i bet you will too full disclaimer some episodes may be a bit longer than 15 minutes so i'll let you decide if i have mistitled the show or if it's a nod to andy warhol's infamous quote come on along with me and let's get away from the noise the drama, and the bad news. It's time to be uplifted instead. This is 15 Minutes Of. Today, my guest is Scott Ouellette. He is a self-taught classical solo guitarist living in a quiet little town called Rowley, Mass. Scott first began playing the guitar at age seven, mostly strumming chords to Fleetwood Mac, Jim Croce, and the Eagles. He soon discovered the sounds of Andrés Segovia, Christopher Pakinen, and Konrad Rasenig. Not having a teacher available, he used the recordings of classical guitarists as his guide and taught himself how to read music during the process. By the age of 16, Scott was already performing professionally, graced the stage of the Palladium in New York, and performed on television. After graduating high school, Scott was accepted to Berklee College of Music in Boston, where he studied guitar performance and theory. Scott would spend the next 20 years developing his compositional skills, creating teaching methods for beginner, intermediate, and advanced guitar students, as well as building his online presence through the internet. Scott currently composes modern solo guitar music for Nylon String Guitar. He also arranges popular music for solo guitar as well and creates videos for YouTube. His original music has been recorded by guitarists in many parts of the world. He can be found performing in local concert halls as well as smaller, more intimate venues. It is my pleasure to welcome him to my studio and finally meet one of my most favorite guitarists in the world. Scott, welcome to 15 Minutes of. Thank you, Dan. It's great to be here. We connected on YouTube, actually. I've been a fan of your s- channel for years. We met briefly in Newburyport one day. You were playing on the downtown plaza, although neither one of us can really clearly remember that.
1: That's right.
0: It was so long ago. But Recently on YouTube, I saw Alexandra Whittingham play one of your pieces of music, and so I dove back into your channel. I bought the transcription for the piece from your website, and as a random gift, you sent me an entire collection of some of your transcriptions, which was so generous, and I decided to reach out to you, and here we are. Yep. This is what I call my get to know you segment. Just a few short questions and answers, perhaps things you would never be asked in everyday conversation, and I'm hoping just to shed a little bit more light on you. If you were to write a book, would it be fictional or non-fictional?
1: Probably non-fictional. Why? Well, growing up, i never uh, I never read a lot. I spent so much time on the guitar and music reading uh, reading music that i I never had time to read books I hate to say that but uh, but as um as I reached my thirties, I started thirsting for more knowledge outside of music i um gravitated towards uh biographies, true stories of uh, people who have accomplished something so I can um use them as a model for uh, my own future uh, plans in music. So I, I tend to, to, to lean towards people who have something very positive to share, something they've done in, you know, in real life, and to learn from it. Do you have a recurring dream, and what is it about? I think the recurring dream has been what I've been going through my whole life, is
0: to basically share music with people all over the world. And here's the last question. Were you the kid that tied the laces of sneakers together and threw them up onto the telephone wires, (laughs) or were you the kid that had his sneakers thrown up there? Yeah, I'm the one who had them thrown up there. (laughs) (laughs) Me me too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But now, you know, now that we're talking about those days, what was it like growing up? Can you tell me a little bit about your childhood? Yeah,
1: it it was spent listening to music almost all the time. If I wasn't listening to music, I was riding my bike. Those two things were, were dominant in my life. I always heard music on the record player when I was a kid. So I found myself sitting near that, the player, near the speakers, just listening and absorbing the sounds and rhythms. And uh, if the record player wasn't going on, then my mother was playing guitar at the kitchen table. And she would sing. Uh, she liked Melanie Safka from uh, from the 60s. She was uh, She was at Woodstock and... Um, Sure, Melanie. Yeah, Melanie. And um, she sang her music all the time. And so I just, I I remember sitting at the floor, being like five years old, just listening to her strum. And and sometimes when she'd sing these songs, I didn't know she was singing someone else's music at the time when I was so young. So I thought she was singing about her, like her own life experiences. (laughs) And I I used to get sad sometimes in some of the stories she'd be singing in the song, not knowing it was someone else's song. I used to think it was her you know, singing about her past or whatever. So um, I remember I'd be sitting there feeling all these different emotions when I listened to her sing. Was it your mom who influenced you the most toward I say, music? Yeah. I would say, yeah. Yeah, that was the, probably the first introduction. And she played guitar. She did. And she played, she, it's so funny, I had an interesting conversation with her a long time ago. She said that when she was pregnant with me, she played guitar all the time. Not so much when she was pregnant with my brother and sister. And so having that guitar on her, strumming all the time, I think that connection started long time, long interesting. time ago. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe the sound waves were coming through. Something. Between me and my brother and sister, I was,
0: I was the one who, who ended up doing a, having a career in music. That's so interesting. Yeah. When did you know that you wanted to make a career in music and the guitar? And what were you, you know, what, what were you doing before you fully took that dive? was probably uh, my preteens and
1: I was at the point where I was I was very proficient on the guitar I knew that I wanted to be the best guitarist I could be but I just had a natural urge to want to do more than that I benefited from the comfort of listening to classical and Spanish guitar music for hours every day I'm the type of person that I believe that you shouldn't uh Get something for nothing. So I wanted to give back in some way. And uh, I wasn't sure how at that age, not having the internet or anything around us. I had no clue how I was going to do it, really. I just knew that I needed to at least get past the first step of becoming the most proficient guitarist I could. And we'll just see where life takes me at that time. But but I, I knew I wanted to give back to the world of guitar, so I knew I would dedicate my life to the guitar. That's fantastic.
0: Yeah. You know, talking about music and what value does it have in our lives? Or more specifically, what value does music have in your life? Why is it so important to you?
1: I think I think, you know, anyone could ask themselves that question. It's an easy uh question to answer. I mean, you you look at the beginning of time at the beginning of, you know, when you're born and there's music there, A the little baby will be sitting in the laying in the crib and has the little thing there circling above them Winnie the Pooh thing with the music. Mm. So music is right there from the very beginning at, at every stage of your life. Every um, milestone, you graduate high school, you have the, you know, pomp and circumstance playing, um, your birthdays, your weddings. I mean, everything has some kind of music associated with it. Take, take music out of the equation. What do you got? You have a life that's in black and white. I learned early in life that music is a, value, a valuable asset that we, that, we, um, that we hold. And sometimes we just take it for granted sometimes.
0: Let's talk about your YouTube channel and also about Lucero Guitars. Okay. You have an affiliate relationship with them? What's that like? Well,
1: before I was playing these guitars, I had been playing the Cordoba guitars for a long time. They're, they're really nice guitars. And uh, I still like them to this day. One day I was just in the music store, and I, and I saw the Lucera brand. And the guitar I'm, I play is more of a 7 eighth scale. It's a little smaller guitar. And that fit me a little bit better. And I like the tone of it and the feel. Everything just fit like a glove. And it was very reasonably uh, priced. And in this day and age where there's so many overpriced guitars... You know, that, that obviously helped my case. I think at, at that time I was a self-employed musician and, and that really helped. So I bought it and I loved it so much that I just wanted to let the company know that. I wanted to just, actually just had a natural urge to, sh- to share that with the world too. I wanted to let everyone else know if they're in a, a position where they, you know, they can't afford a hand-built guitar. They can, uh, they can get this guitar, the little brand with a decent tone, dependability, and the price is just right. So I mentioned it to them and we just started talking. We came up with the idea of, I would, I would help to share the Lucero name through my videos. So I insert links and just try, try to help advertise as much as I can with all the exposure I'm getting on my YouTube channel. It really has um, helped generate some sales for them. And that's a good thing. Um, you don't have to spend a lot of money on a guitar to, uh, to get something of high value.
0: I also want to talk about Sickus guitars. Oh, yeah. They are a renowned guitar salon selling the finest instruments made by the very best luthiers in the world, past and present. They have in their inventory some of the most rare and expensive guitars on the planet. Mm-hmm. And recently, you submitted a recording to their YouTube channel, which has 250,000 subscribers, by the way, and they accepted. You played your latest piece entitled Culare La Tempesta. And with that, you have joined a prestigious group of performers such as Anna Vidovic and Alexandra Whittingham. Tell us how that came about and what does it feel like to be included in that mix of talent?
1: Well, I, I had known of Sika's of Guitars and um, when I found out that they were accepting submissions, I wanted to try my hand at it because it, it goes in line with my goal that I made when I was, when I was 12 and just, you know, share my music with the world. So if they have a lot of, a lot of um, followers, that would help. So I submitted the video, you know, they accepted it. I was very happy that that they enjoy my my music and that they would upload the video onto their channel. It's always a treat and an honor to, um, to see someone enjoy my music.
0: Yeah, I certainly love that piece of music. And I was wondering, Scott, would you play that for us now? Of course. music that returns to the tonic Mm
1: -hmm.
0: (laughs) and the way the ascending and descending lines in that piece lead to the resolved are so deftly written and played. It's a masterful piece of music, Scott. What inspired you to write that piece? It's so beautiful.
1: First of all, thank you, Dan. I appreciate that. Um, Yeah, it was written around 2010 and it was a, a Sunday morning and I was, um, I was playing a piece in the drop D tuning originally that morning. And I was sitting near my window and looked out at the sky and noticed it was getting really dark. It it had to have been about maybe 8 in the morning. And the sky was already getting very, very black. And I was just waiting for the storm to come. Uh, But there was no rain. It was one of those storms where it it wouldn't rain. It just held off and held off. And you could see the, the, the trees blowing and getting very windy. Very, it was a very eerie feeling. And for some reason, I played the intro as if, as if I had already written it. I just started playing it, like just composing it right there on the spot as if, it, as if the song was just pre-programmed in my head. It was, it was this, the craziest thing. It rarely ever happens like that. Usually more thoughts put into a song when mm-hmm. I write it. But I was, just started composing it on the spot like that. Almost note for note. Why is it a lullaby? Basically to lull a storm away. I, I'm not a big fan of storms. I, uh, as a cyclist, I love the outdoors riding on the bike. So a rainy day means no day on the bike. But that's the physical world. Is that a metaphor for you? The no. storm? No. No, not at all. Um, basically, I, I enjoy my, uh, my weekends when I cycle. And uh, I was
0: hoping to ride that day. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was going for something really deep there I know you there. were <laughs> And uh, it's refreshing
1: Yeah, but so, so, so the, trade-off, the trade-off was a, uh, a well-known song now So I don't mind giving up a day of writing For a song that people all over the world are playing now
0: Scott, if you could go back and talk with your 25-year-old self What advice would you give? What would you share with a young person today Who's passionate and motivated toward music?
1: I don't think there's anything I would tell myself. I think everything I did was right on right on track, spot on. I was really focused growing up. I knew what I wanted to do. And that's how I've always been. If there's something I want, I write out the plan in my head and I don't waste any time. I just get it done. And so everything I was doing from age 12 on was uh, was planned and and well thought out and everything worked out perfectly. I don't think there's anything I would change.
0: Not at all. At this point in your life, yeah. do you think you will strive to be more productive or more creative? Probably more productive. I've
1: spent decades, you know, being creative on the guitar. But uh, as I get older, sometimes I get distracted by things. <laughs> I just, you know, I want to relax more, maybe, or just, uh, I mean, we're talking decades of gigs and performances, teaching, transcribing guitar music, everything. It's just been a whirlwind of of musical projects since I was a kid. These days now, sometimes I just feel like sitting outside, just staring out to nothing, (laughs) or or taking a bike trip for three hours. I'm, I'm always striving to be a little bit more productive. Okay. And what is next for you? Believe it or not, um, I've stopped composing for the guitar. Um, I stopped a few years ago. One of the reasons is because I've, I've written enough pieces to accomplish my goal. You know, I, I told myself years ago, I just want to compose a large body of works for guitar and share it with the world. And, and I've done every type of um, a feel or, or type of music that would reach all different types of people. So my job is done on the guitar, my next uh, stage would be um, the lever harp. I was introduced to the harp back in the early 90s, and I found it very different but similar to the guitar. So the the strings are mm-hmm. the same feel, the way I pluck the strings. It's almost just like an, uh, a progression towards something similar to the guitar, but but very different at the same time. And so I've actually started composing on that instrument now. And I have a nice harp at the house, and i um, ready to, to move forward with that instrument. So I've got another three decades or so of, <laughs> of playing the harp now.
0: <laughs> okay, so you're not going to stop creating.
1: Um, that's good news. are uh, r- right. On the guitar, yes, but on the harp, it's uh, going to
0: be a whole brand new project. And speaking of this library of music you have and mm-hmm. your YouTube videos and your transcription service, you have a, a couple of websites.
1: Yeah, I have my primary that i have uh which you know i have my shows on there uh pictures all you know
0: and of course your youtube channel
1: and then my youtube channel and as well as my um my transcribing website where i um transcribe guitar music for other solo guitars
0: yeah so we can find you very easily by doing a google search and all those links will come up and i encourage everybody to do so and i'm going to put those links in the show notes as well great fantastic Thank you, Scott. This is the first episode of my new podcast series, 15 Minutes Of. I can't think of a better person to kick it off. I really, really appreciate you coming here and sharing the story with us, and especially for playing that beautiful piece of music. Thank you. It's been great being here. I learned a lot in this interview with Scott about the creative force and what drives people. My big takeaway from this episode was his response to my metaphor question. I may have fell on my sword, but I learned something terribly important. We often think that the creative force comes from somewhere deep inside of us, but it can also be as simple as gloomy weather keeping us from going outside. I learned that passion is passion and it doesn't matter where it comes from or what inspires us to keep pushing toward our dreams. We just keep pushing. Until next time, I'd like to leave you with the idea that the world is a great place filled with good people and they are doing awesome things. Look for them and never stop creating. I'm Dan Tebow. This is 15 minutes of.